Good morning. If you were not awake earlier, I, we are pleased to see all of you here on this beautiful day as we celebrate the greatness of music made here in the United States of America, music that will inspire us for decades to come. A couple of things I'd like you to know about before we move any further into the service, and this one is going to be very important for at least one person. There is a car with lights that are on and been on for about 30 minutes. It's parked in the first handicap space. The license plate is J17V. We'll help you jump your battery later if you need it, uh, but you might want to take care of that now. A couple other things I'd like you to know for this day. If you would, I know that you're going to be inspired throughout the morning, but if you would, please hold your applause until the completion of this service. We would appreciate that very much. I also want you to know that Judson Veach, who is our principal dancer this morning, who began his professional career here with us at First Community Church, will also be today concluding his professional career. This is his final uh, dance performance, and we're thrilled and honored that Judson will be with us on this day, and, and I know that you'll want to greet him afterwards if you have an opportunity to do so. He will be moving forward into, into public service. This is indeed a beautiful day. Let us worship God.
Throughout the ages, human beings have turned to music as a means of addressing the sacred mystery that surrounds us. In family dwellings, in houses of worship, or in the temple of nature, wherever your people have gathered, we have lifted our voices in petition and thanksgiving. May we find our places in that great symphony of witnesses who cry out for joy within your courts.
gather this morning as the earth breaks out in flower, as longer days and softer nights give us time to remember that we are held each moment in your care. We rejoice in all the ways that love makes itself known, in tender and true relationships, in response to human needs, as parents care for children and children care for parents. Help us to turn with energetic love to a world in need of it, to reach beyond ourselves and those we find it easy to love. Form in us a resolve that is strong and unflagging in its pursuit of justice for those seeking safety, those still captive in unjust systems, and those who need our voices to speak for them. Incline your ear, O God, as we humbly offer words and music in response and in thanksgiving for your boundless love and grace. Amen. You may be seated. If children here, K through five, want to be here for the service, you are welcome to remain. If you'd like to be on your way to church school class, now is the time to do so. And welcome to all of you to this service.
The reading from the Hebrew today is from 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 4. The verses are printed in your bulletin if you would like to read along, as well as your response. Now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man whom David, who God exalted, the anointed one of the God of Jacob, the favorite of the strong one of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks through me. God's word is upon my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. Is not my house like this with God? For God has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Here ends the first reading. Thanks be to God.
The second reading has this verse from the New Testament. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then from our early American religious heritage, these verses from a Shaker hymn. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning we come round right.
Most people agree that one of the great speeches in American history was given in the 20th century by the civil rights activist, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 55 years ago. The occasion was the March on Washington for freedom and jobs and economic equality. One quarter of a million people gathered on the Washington Wall facing the Lincoln Memorial to hear his speech. It was a defining moment in the civil rights movement. Toward the end of the speech, he began to vary from his prepared text. Encouraged by Mahalia Jackson shouting out to him, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. So that historic speech on that historic day, these were his last words. This is what he said. This is what Dr. King said. I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Have a dream today. Have a dream that one day, down in Alabama, with its vicious races, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day, right there in Alabama, little, little black, black boys and black, black girls will be able to join hands with little, little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair. A stone 
this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. No, that we will be free one day. And this will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died. Land of the pilgrim's bride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that. every hill and mole hill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
eternal spirit, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. It is now time to receive our morning tithes and offerings, and on this special day, as we gather in the beauty of this music and the opportunity to be together, let us remember all the ways we can serve and give to one another. Whether we give with our time, our talent, or our treasure, let us give with joy and thanksgiving. And if you wish to support this beautiful music service this day and the times we have together, use the inserted envelope uh, for that purpose. Let us receive our morning offering.
Let us pray. Creator God, we have heard your call, beckoning us to a life of love and service, here in daily, persistent, and sometimes courageous ways, we offer our lives and these gifts. Amen. The Gospel reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. They are printed in your bulletin. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. The word of the Lord. The next reading is from American history. It is from Lincoln's, President Lincoln's second inaugural address. Many consider this the greatest speech that Lincoln delivered during his lifetime. It was given just less than two months before an assassin's bullet would take his life. Listen again to these great words. With malice toward none, with charity for all with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which we may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. President Lincoln, in this speech, quotes from Matthew 18, woe to the one who would be a stumbling block. In his actual speech, he used the King James Version of that verse, woe to those who would be an offense. He was referring to slavery. He saw slavery as an offense, as an injustice against God's will, against God's desire, and God's dream for the world. And he wanted them to understand that it must be faced. And to continue to allow slavery to exist would be an offense, a stumbling block. In the Greek, the word is a scandalizo, a scandal, a terrible thing. He also, in the speech, refers to it as the offense of American slavery. There were some who wanted him to call the South into justice in that moment. There were some who wanted to declare that they would be wanted him to declare that they would be punished, that they would be put down. But Lincoln, in his brilliance, names it American slavery, both referring to the past 
and then dreaming of the future. Frederick Douglass, the noble statesman, the freed slave, said it was more like a sermon than a state speech. And surely it sounds that way. It just is full of biblical references and ideals, malice toward none, charity, that is grace, love for all. The text that he, he refers to comes from Matthew 18. In the full context, it is Jesus and his disciples. They're providing some instruction. And then one says to Jesus, who will be the greatest? In the kingdom of heaven, who will be the greatest? Now, th this question sounds a little bit off-putting, but it's really not a bad question. The problem is their assumption of what greatness is. They assume that greatness has to do with power and might and control and fame and influence. And Jesus wants them to understand that that is not at all what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. And so what does he do? He finds a child, probably one who was crying and making noise and irritating the disciples. He finds that child, and he has said, bring the child to me, and sets the child before them and says, you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? That's a marvelous request. Become like this child, humble, innocent, almost helpless. In antiquity especially, only 40% of children would make it to age 16. For Jesus to say to the disciples, become like this child, was a radical thing, a, a, an unusual word almost unforeseen or, or, or ever unheard of. You see, what the disciples had done is they'd drawn the circle tightly. It had Jesus and them at the center. They were the ones who mattered the most. What Jesus did was he reached outside of the circle and brought the child in. He reached out to a, one might call a stranger, to one we might call the least of these, brought them into the circle, and by so doing, set the tone for the way the church would be founded. You know, the way a church or a nation treats its smallest and most innocent, its children, and the least of these, as Jesus calls them, is really a description of what that church or that nation is like. You want to understand a church, you want to understand a country, look at the way they treat its humblest members and citizens. This idea of the weak and humble can be found in a variety of places. You heard it also this morning in the anthem, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's my favorite anthem ever. I'm grateful that Rahan and the choir presented it this morning. It also, though, illustrates Lincoln's point. The third verse says, Jesus sought me when a stranger. That is the heart of the gospel message. That is the central word that the Bible has been trying to get across to us for thousands of years. Jesus sought me when a stranger. Abraham was sent to Israel, not to create an enclosed little nation that protected itself, but to be what? A light to the nations. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Hosea, and Micah, and the and the rest of the prophets, what do they preach? What do they proclaim? Remember, Israel, that you were one time a stranger, a foreigner, a slave. You must therefore always welcome the outsider, the other, the child. It's a simple message, really. A clear word. Lincoln knows this in his guts when he delivers this sermon. He knows that for America to find its strength again, it must be one nation united. And he calls them from the past toward the future. 
in his closing paragraph, and the one that is printed in your bulletin. Lincoln goes back to those biblical principles. With malice toward none, and charity for all. As I mentioned a moment ago, the word charity comes from the Greek word agape. It can be translated as grace. It can be translated as hope. It can be translated most fully as love. He's calling on the nation to set aside malice. That is the intent to do evil, to push that aside and to be united together in love, an agape-like love, a God-like love, an inclusive, world-encompassing love. Lincoln surprised his audience with his deep theological thinking, his ability to take a text from the Bible that was very familiar to them in their culture, in their era, in their time, and allow that word to speak across the divide and set them forward to the days ahead. But let's be clear, he was not merely baptizing that moment with Christian-sounding words. He calls on the people of his day, and I would suggest that he calls on us on this one, to humbly, graciously, and with love at the center of everything we do, move forward together in faith. Amen. These lines of poetry by Emma Lazarus are inscribed on a bronze plaque on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand, glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I lift my lamp beside the golden door.
Sisters and brothers, on this day, let the freedom of love guide us now and forever. Amen. 1889, a fledgling newspaper in Washington, D.C., had a contest, an essay contest for children. And the winner of that was given a trophy at the Smithsonian Institute. It was a big occasion. President James Garfield was there. The paper commissioned John Philip Sousa to write a march for the day, and the audience loved it. The name of the march and the name of the newspaper are one and the same, the Washington Post. Are you guys ready? Anybody want to conduct? No?